Hi, I'm the person whose closet is put in color order, but I'll also pick up an earthworm without thinking twice. In fact, I did yesterday. <laughs> it needed my help. I'm not afraid to be a little messy. Human nature is messy, but nature nature can help us embrace it. I love the brand seventh generation. Their laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with the power of bioenzymes. That's exciting. You wipe your hands on your pants after you pick up an earthworm. Seventh generation is like, don't worry, hug a dirty tree, huff some bark. It's good for you. That is the power of seventh generation. Find laundry detergent and other laundry products at seventhgeneration.com. I love worms. I know I usually save my secrets for the end of the episode, but I'm going to tell you my secret favorite candy. It's Reese's peanut butter cups. It's really Reese's anything, but Reese's peanut butter cups are the thing that I'm like, have I had a bad day? I get these. Have I had a good day? I get these. Chocolate salty peanut butter, the textures. I love everything about them. Also that there's two. So I'm like, oh, I get this one for later, which is one second later. Anyway, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, I love you. That's all. If you're me, you can shop Reese's Peanut Butter Cups now at a store near you. Found wherever candy is sold. And I am. Oh, hey, it's a lady who went to Hawaii on a squid research expedition and fit in an ologies interview while I was there. Hi, it's Allie Ward. This is Smologies, and Smologies are kid-friendly, all-ages episodes that we have cut down and sculpted to be shorter. And this week, we bring you a lovely fellow who was a joy to meet up with on the island of Oahu in Hawaii. So get ready for him. This dude loves flags. I love him for it. Okay. Vexillology. Aren't you glad that there's a parenthetical flags after that? Because who knows what vexillology means? Where does this word even come from? Okay, buckle up. It's about to get cute. So vexillology has its roots in Latin for little sail. Vellum is a sail or a curtain, and it's related to veil. It was coined in 1959 by a flag enthusiast and designer and political scholar, the late Whitney Smith Jr. And if you're like, I wish I were a vexillologist, but you're just a flag fan, don't worry, you're still a vexillophile. You're about to go through quite a journey hearing about everything from why flags exist to what flags have to do with conspiracy theories to some pirate trivia, why Hawaii has a Union Jack on its flag, the hardest flags to draw, which colors we don't see on flags and why, how to design a flag, who designed our modern American flag, and how you two can have fun with flags all year round. So get ready to fly high with flag professional and vexillologist, Tori Lytola. Okay, so this vexillologist got his bachelor's in museum studies at the University of Manoa in Hawaii and spent 17 years as a registrar in Honolulu's mayor's office of culture and the arts. He was an expert in charge of public art collections and who flies, what flags, when. The dude digs flags. He loves fabric. I always think of like how... Easy Japan has it when you're a kid and you have to draw your flag. You're like, I got a dot in the middle. I'm good to go. And then Mexico's like, I got to draw a serpent and some kind of bird. Some flags are just geometric blocks. And then others have these drawings on them that are difficult to replicate. Who decides what goes on a flag? So it's it's usually the country okay, or the head of state. Okay. So if you look at a lot of older flags, they are just, you know, sometimes one. Mm-hmm two, three colors, horizontal lines or 
vertical lines, you know, stripes. And, you know, that goes back to heraldry where there was the king and he might have a coat of arms and it might have one or two colors. So you replicate that on the flag. Oh, okay. Quick aside about the Japanese flag, also called the Hinomaru. So that big crimson dot is representing the sun because Japan is known as the land of the rising sun. And while their big signature red dot on a field of white has been used since the 1400s, it was designed formally in 1870. It wasn't legally adopted until 1999. That's like being engaged for 129 years. Everyone just assumes you're married, but really mm, there's drama at home. So folks opposed didn't like a certain shift toward post-war nationalism. So adopting it officially was a big deal, but it's been 20 years since it's been the flag of Japan. Bonus, it's pretty easy to draw though. Why is this a bonus? According to the North American Vexillological Society's 2006 edict, good flag, bad flag. There are a few key principles to designing a good flag. The five principles are, keep it simple. The flag should be so simple that a child can draw it from memory or an adult who's bad at drawing. Two, use meaningful symbolism. Number three, use two or three basic colors. Number four, no lettering or seal. Never use writing of any kind or an organization seal. Wow, that law is broken a lot. Number five, be distinctive or be related. So avoid duplicating other flags, but use some similarities to show connections. Now, Mexico, I love you. Your flag, mmm. Growing up, trying to draw the flag of Mexico with this ornate eagle eating a serpent while perched on a prickly pear, this was an exercise of childhood artistic humility, or really for anyone without a studio art degree. But I did some reading, and knowing it's a symbol delivered by a god of war via a dream to an Aztec leader about where to settle what's now Mexico City, I'm like, all right, yes, this flag is very beautiful, and I love it. Mexico, please don't be offended if my rendition looks like a cat eating a noodle. Now, what are you going to do for Fourth of July? Fourth of July, I will fly the Betsy Ross flag. Oh, nice. Yes. And now I need to look up her story. Do you like her story? Is it worth telling? Or are you like, eh, it's apocryphal? Apocryphal means it's doubtful or dubious. It's sketchy. A bit sus. You get it. Well, you know, there are theories on who or who came about with the flag. And, and there is some evidence for that um, she did sew a flag. And um, with the stars in the circle arrangement, we will we'll acknowledge that as being the Betsy Ross design, although mm -hmm. there were other designs at the time. Is there any truth to the fact that George Washington's wife would... would so there's a story that's passed down through the Ross family that says, you know, there was a meeting and the generals got together and Betsy Ross was the wife of one of the generals and Washington was there. They did a little sketch. And so she sewed the flag. And so there is that story. Is that the truth? What do you think happened? There were other flags that were flown by American patriots mm -hmm. at the time. I mean, we from the North are familiar with like the Bunker Hill flag or the Gadsden flag, the Don't Tread on Me flag. And so you have oh, these other wow. flags that were used during the American Revolution. And and the red and white or the stars and stripes as they became, came to be called, you know, really became the, the one that was accepted nationally. Mm -hmm. What do you think about the Don't Tread on Me flag? Um, it's fine. You know, they ha it's, a, it's another flag that has its uses and, and some people have adopted it today to mean other things. Right. 
Gadsden's flag, side note, is primarily mustard yellow, and it features this impossibly coiled and, I guess, ready-to-strike rattlesnake with 13 rattles representing the original colonies. It dates back to that time. And it's sometimes used in modern day by conservative parties to harken back, I guess, to an era when the country was smaller and we didn't have indoor plumbing and like, rattlesnakes were able to hover in the air like a broken mattress spring. Must have been a wild era. But there are some mocking don't tread on me memes that are just a source of priceless parody. Uh, I suggest you Google these. One of my favorites involves a cartoon baby snake that just says, please no steppy. And then there's one that retains the original don't tread on me text, but just the image of a single Lego. Anyway, changing up flags for fun. So do you have a calendar memorized or do you have a planner that has like, hey, change a flag today? I try and write significant dates on my calendar. Mm -hmm. That's smart. Do you check it every day? I still have a written calendar. Oh, God, me so too. I'm very low tech. I have a wall calendar on my wall at home and a desk calendar on my desk at work. And they're both handwritten mm -hmm. notations. So they have to have big squares so you can put things in them. Um, and I'll just go back and forth and check. And, and um, there are a few historical calendars out there that are really fun to look at, you know, that have like on this day in history. And so you can, you know, add those to your calendars, whichever seem significant or that you enjoy and put that on your calendar. Do you have a favorite looking flag? One that you're just like, man, I wish we had that one. Well, one of my favorite flags, it's hard to tell which one is your favorite because there's a, there's a flag I fly a lot at home, but mm -hmm. a really cool looking flag is Ohio. What? Really? I'm sorry, Ohio, for doubting you. I, okay, tell me about it. It's a swallowtail pennant. Ohio, I had no idea you had what patent holding flag designer John Eisman describes as a, quote, triangular forked or swallowtailed flag corresponding to the shape generally known as a cavalry guidon or broad pennant. So beloved is Ohio's flag. It's even sold as a necklace. So a patented pennant pendant, if I may be a pedant. Pardon. So that means it's pointy, but then the end isn't a point. It's got a swallowtail in it. So it can, you can fly it upside down. It still looks right side up. But who else has a swallowtail pennant? No one. How'd they get so fancy? They got tux tails. Well, it's all about the hills and the valleys and the rivers and of Ohio. Oh, man. And ever, the rest of us all just have squares? So there is a government specification on the ratio of the flag, the height and the width. But most of us... In practical usage, we'll fly what's referred to as the NATO standard. Okay, some standard sizes, three by five, four by six. But what's the smallest flag you want to know? Is it the size of like your thumbnail? Maybe your pinky nail? Smaller? Is it the size of a crumb of banana bread? Oh, you have no idea. So I looked it up and according to the Guinness Book of World Records, there exists a flag that is one one hundredth the width of a human hair. It's only viewable with an electron microscope. Who made this? What wizardry is this? What is on the flag? A maple leaf. And it was made with UV photolithography on a wafer coated with electron-sensitive hydrogen silsequiosane film by the Institute for Quantum Computing, Nanofab, in Waterloo, Ontario, Canada. I'm pretty sure I said some of those words wrong. Please bear with me, nanotechnologists. Canadians... This achievement is small, but it is mighty. It's absurdly awesome. And it makes the palm-sized Hawaiian flag Tori gave me just seems gargantuan in comparison. 
And now, okay, tell me a little bit about the Hawaiian flag, because what I know from being here this week is that there are great ways to make a statement with a flag that I didn't realize that you could do. And so the Hawaiian flag, how would you describe it? The Hawaiian flag is rectangular. Mm -hmm. The ratio is one to two. Okay. It has a field of eight stripes with white, red, and blue alternating mm -hmm. and a union jack in the canton. Mm -hmm. Just a side note, a canton in vexillology is a quadrant of the flag, usually the upper left corner, which is like a position of honor on a flag. It's where on a U.S. flag, the 50 stars are. It's like a picture in picture, but for flags. How did they come up with this design? So it was during the reign of Kamehameha I where Hawaii started trading. And so ships needed ways to recognize themselves when they went into foreign ports. And so when Hawaii started trading outside of Hawaii, it needed a flag to be recognized. And so they came up with the Hawaiian flag. And it was drafted by a British officer. Side note, Kamehameha the Great was a ruler who united the Hawaiian Islands in the late 1700s. And here's a fun tidbit. His full name is... Another fun tidbit. I did not say that. Hawaiian-born patron Iris McPherson did because I did not trust my mouth and brain and eyes to get it together on that. Anyway. Ruled through 1819. And this has nothing to do with anything, but one of his wives took the throne after his death. And among the things she changed was that women were finally allowed to eat bananas. It's bananas. She was also Protestant. There was a lot of badness with missionaries. Eventually, the U.S. took control of the Kingdom of Hawaii in 1893 in an overthrow that Congress has since admitted was illegal, which is why, just in general, a Union Jack flag seems a little awkward. It's kind of like dating someone who still has their ex's name tattooed on their stomach. But also... They never wanted to date you, but you're forcing them illegally. Anyway, everyone just shrugs like, wow, that's a lot of bad stuff. Mm -hmm. And it does hold the Union Jack because of the close alliance between Hawaii and um, um, Britain at the time. Now, Kamehameha the first liked flags too, so he would just fly whatever flag he liked at his <laughs> compound. Now, what is flown most commonly in Hawaii? You see the Hawaiian flag. Now, the Hawaiian flag, as far as I know, is the only flag that has flown unchanged for five different forms of government. Why is that? Why didn't they switch it up at all? I guess for continuity. I mean, it flew under a absolute monarchy, mm -hmm. a constitutional monarchy, a republic, a territory, and a state, and they did not change the flag. When it became a state, the U.S. didn't say like, okay, real cute, you got a Union Jack, that air is over, people. Well, you know, it, it was there. Out of the territory, and they just they mm -hmm. kept the flag. And I have heard a little bit about the way the flag is flown can express different viewpoints, sentiments, protestations, perhaps. Is it flown 
upside down, right side, what, what does it mean? So when a flag or any flag is flown upside down or visibly upside down, mm-hmm. it's a sign of distress. A little help, please. Mm-hmm. So it's usually like maybe sending out an SOS signal to somebody because there was a time where flags were our communication. So when a ship came into port um, and you're expecting somebody to be on that ship, if you saw their flag at half mast, mast on a ship, you knew somebody had passed away. If it was flying upside down, you know that that ship was in trouble or distress. Oh, wow. You'd have to know a little bit about the flag that you're looking at. Correct. Right. And then some flags, um, they look the same right side, right side up or upside down. Oh, no. What do you do? You'd be in trouble. Yeah. Did you ever play flag football? I did play flag football. Were you like, I'm only using... American and Hawaiian flags. <laughs> <laughs> we have to remember when the term flag doesn't have to be these, these, these symbols. It could mm-hmm. also be utilitarian, mm-hmm. you know, like flag football, sprinkler flags, a checkered flag. Mm-hmm. You know, they have other meanings and they're more utilitarian. Semaphore flags. What about uh, surrender flags? That's more of a utilitarian tool because it didn't stand for anybody. It was the white flag. Was that just someone taking gauze off and what? Could be anything. I mean, you know, if you have to surrender, you use whatever you have. Someone take their underpants off. <laughs> I got to wave something here. Can I ask you questions from listeners? Sure. Okay. This is exciting. I, 105 questions about flags. But before we unfurl your questions, a few words from sponsors of the show who make it possible for us to make a donation to a charity of each ologist choosing. And Tori said that he would like to go with Connecting to Collections Care, which is a program under the American Institute for Conservation that helps smaller cultural institutions provide good care for valuable collections and artifacts. So we will include a link in the show notes. And that donation is made possible by the following sponsors that I like very much. Oh, KiwiCo. We love you. Kids love you. Parents love you. Uncle Allies love you. Here's the deal. So whether you're staying at home or you're heading out on some summer explorations, KiwiCo is inviting kids, also kids at heart, that's you, to enjoy their first ever summer adventure series. So kids from two years old to teens can receive six hands-on science and art project kits over six weeks. They have something for everyone. They have different topics for each age, whether your kid wants to explore space or learn about dinosaurs. And I've heard from my parental friends that summer can be a little challenging to keep the kiddos busy. KiwiCo's like, we did the legwork for you. And the summer adventure series is this personalized experience with super fun activities like a bottle rocket kit where kids can build an actual bottle rocket and you can either receive all of your summer adventure crates at once or weekly for six weeks. I think it's so amazing that they have different crates for different ages, everything from the great outdoors that has like giant bubbles or a window garden to a trebuchet kit for ages nine to 14, an entrepreneur where you can do textured clay projects. If you have kids, if you know kids, keep them occupied and learning and having fun this summer with KiwiCo. And you can get 20% off your summer adventure series at Kiwi. KiwiCo.com slash ologies summer. That's 20% off your summer adventure at kiwico.com slash ologies summer. Oh, have fun. Oh, hi, it's me, the lady that checks a bunch of scholarly articles before she believes anything, Allie Ward. And I feel like we are similar in that we have a fair amount of skepticism and we like to dive deep and find out what the actual facts are. This is why when it comes to any kind of supplements, I enjoy Ritual, which is a female-founded B Corp, meaning that they're holding themselves accountable to not just the company, but also to the health of people in our planet. And they're clinically backed essential for women at 18 plus multivitamin has these high quality, traceable key ingredients in bioavailable forms that are clean. 
Only about 1% of supplement brands are USP verified, and Ritual is one of them. So I like being able to trust what I'm putting in my body. From an aesthetic standpoint, I'll also tell you that Ritual are beautiful little vitamins. They look like lava lamps, and they taste like mint. So taking my Ritual is part of my, I guess, morning ritual. I, that's probably why they named it that, and I didn't even think about it. Anyway, no more shady business. Ritual's essential for women 18 plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. So get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash ologies. You can start Ritual or add essential for women 18 plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash ologies for 25% off. Down the hatch. Okay, on to your flag questions. People have been wanting this one for a while. You thought flags were boring, didn't you? People light them on fire. They die for them. So many of you wanted to know why they even exist. Like, for example, Taryn Fernandes, Jack, Steph, Julie Bear, Heather Deckel, Erica, Ellen Vosakiel, Holly Andrews, Deli Dames, and... Jam Cruz, first-time question asker, says, was there a specific moment when flags became a thing for every country? Well, that's a good question because I would say flags and its use, I mean, go back to like Babylonia mm-hmm. and um, the Romans used them okay. in different different styles and different ways and pennants and, and gonfalons as we use. But I think probably... And this is just my opinion, you know, with the United Nations, with the League of Nations or the United Nations and then the Olympics is where you really needed something to rally behind politically, not necessarily for military. So I think flags really became uh, a more popular and more visible. And it's at the Olympics where you actually saw duplication. Like there would be times where the country would have almost the same flag oh, sometimes the same color and the same and so what do you do it's like you know oh. you show up at the party with the same dress what so, do you do same gown at the Oscars you gotta change it now is that your favorite part of the Olympics are you there for the open ceremony I like the opening ceremonies now the next topic was also on the minds of patrons Megan King and Aviva Elizabeth Zane Liebram wants to know are there any vessels out there that still fly the black Jolly Roger flag and yes. so, why do they do it what is it? Okay, so there are there are different. So people think of the Jolly Roger as as the one, and I've actually seen a Molly Roger. Ooh! So it's actually a cat of nine tails, and the, the skull has lipstick on it. <laughs> modern modern designer came with the Molly Roger, but you have these pirate flags, and they were slightly different. Mm-hmm. Like I think Edward Teach had a, a, a like a, a skeleton and a heart, and so they actually had meanings. But they were the black flag of the pirates, and. Um, not to endorse piracy, but, you know, there are those pirate ships that you can go on parties on. They do fly the pirate flag. And why did they have that Jolly Roger? Was that just like a, we're here and we're going to mess your stuff up? So, watch out, everyone. Well, that was that was the way that ships communicated with each other. And so, sometimes a ship would fly a false flag to get in close. Oh, my and then God. A, and when they attacked, then they would fly up whatever flag that they're flying under. So privateers, remember privateers were the legal pirates and then you had pirates. Oh, I didn't know that privateers were legal pirates. So a, pri- a, a pirate would be raiding mm-hmm. other ships and a privateer was somebody raiding for their country under, they were sanctioned. Ugh. So then they were just thieves and then they were like, I'm thieves for my country. Wow. Privateers. Meredith Moy wants to know, is there any significance in countries that have flags of the similar patterns and same colors, but in different order, like France versus Paraguay, Belgium versus Germany, etc.? Well, you have a lot of those um, 
we could say old world flags mm -hmm. where they really are established and, and basing on national colors. So they're very, very simple. Ooh. And so those are older flags as opposed to some of the modern flags where you have a little more iconography on or modern iconography. So you have like, like the Scandinavian cross, like really all the countries of Scandinavia, it's that same cross pattern in different colors. So side note, why do so many Scandinavian countries have that Nordic cross motif? I was like, mm, there's going to be some old like maybe where the land intersects with the sea or like the latitude of the summer sun. But no, it's just a straight up Christianity symbol. So what about flags that look like Neapolitan ice cream? You know, it's like the, the tricolor. You have the French tricolor. I mean, you have, um, you know, Ireland and Italy. It's, it's basically using national colors just on a flag. Oh, okay. So it's just kind of like, hey, we're cousins a little bit. Or the flags are old enough. We just needed, we just needed a couple of colors on it. Back then. Back, you know, back so in the day, simple. we just needed one or two colors on the flag and it was just one color or two colors. And now, what is the thing that you love the most about your job or your life as a vexillologist or about flags? It's just a, a bit of history and to recognize what's what's been what's in the past and, and, and use some kind of visible symbol to recognize those dates. And, and I, I have a good job, I think. Do you think in the future we're just going to use space holograms for flags? I don't know about holograms, but you know <laughs> how how retro is becoming more popular. Maybe we're going to go. Maybe we'll, we'll regress a little bit. And I love that you're keeping the past alive by continuing to make it cool because you're cool. Thank you so much for doing this. I love this. So ask well dressed and informed people questions because there's weird trivia flying right over our heads all the time. You might as well ask about it. Go for it. Ask questions. Now, for more info on flags nava.org nava.org is a great resource uh you can find a local vexillological club let your nerd flag fly uh we are at ologies on twitter and instagram i'm ali ward with one l on both for tons more smologies episodes you can head to aliward.com slash smologies which is linked in the show notes we have episodes on toads and dinosaurs and bugs and eating bugs and the moon and so much more. And the full credit list is also in the show notes. But special thanks to Mercedes Maitland and Jarrett Sleeper of Mind Jam Media for all the work on this one. And if you stick around until the end of the episode, I give you a life tip. And this week's tip is, you know, sometimes if you're in a park or you're taking a walk, sometimes it's nice if you find a pretty leaf on the ground, take it home, put it in a heavy book, Chances are you're going to forget about it until like a year later and you open up the book and you go, well, look at this, boy howdy, a beautifully preserved leaf. And then you can frame it or you can make a bookmark out of it. But it's always nice to tuck a leaf somewhere or a flower for yourself for later. And you go, oh, look at that. So pressed and flat and nice. Okay, that's it. Bye-bye. Someone get me a selection of flags. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Sometimes it takes a different approach 
to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation.